this is a real story not a joke it uh, i read in a readers digest all in the day's work column you know by now what my favorite reading is outside the bible right a policeman spotted a car zigzagging through the traffic so he stopped the car and it was a priest driving so he asked father are you drinking the policeman spotted a empty wine bottle on the passenger seat and smelled the breath that's why the question the father said no just the water pointing to the bottle empty bottle of wine policeman asked what's that he, the father picked up the bottle looked at it and said good lord he has done it again <laughs> kid in the candy store good lord he has done it again <laughs> double portion this sunday and next <laughs> and i'm looking forward to that and appreciate the class leadership for giving me this this opportunity bible is so profound remember we went through that topic the mountain so high to climb and the point was as the heaven is higher than the earth are so my ways are higher than your ways my thoughts are higher than your thoughts we can never ever fully explore explain understand it remember the statement i gave you about uh, from uh, the scientist i john newton he said i am just like a little boy collecting seashells on the shore while the vast ocean remains unexplored he was talking about the physical universe and even in the 21st century we know only 5% and 95% we would not know maybe we would never know and that applies to the word of god we will never ever fathom the full depth of the word of god and i think even in the eternity the eternity even eternity would be too short to know we would continue to know the lord daily even in the eternity so on one hand bible is so profound that we will never ever fathom the depth of the word of god but on the other hand it is so simple that tells us how to live <coughs> live life on this earth and if we can just take it by its word by faith and apply it then we would be blessed immensely beyond our imagine imagination we have talked about theology remember those five message series that we went through Jesus the only way we have heard the lies so much that we forget that and Jesus is the only way because the mountain is so high to climb valley is so deep to cross the valley of the holiness of god and our sinfulness place no one needs to go because god has not designed intentionally for anybody 
but because of holiness of God, many people would wind up there. And then we talked about the place that everyone is welcome to. And each of that message, there were two sections. We talked about theology, and then the other section was, so what, our response. Today's message, we don't have those two sections. There is no response part in this message because the whole message is our response. And you have the outline with you, and so you know the topic. The whole message is, uh, is our, our response. And the outline you know, the topic you know. One of the questions, uh, every, every Easter, we, Easter week we go to India usually, and I preach from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday every night, and every morning we have a Bible study, and, and at the end of the Bible study, I open up for question answer, and invariably, every year, one of the questions that is asked is, how do I know the will of God? And take this statement, the greatest joy of anybody, believer or unbeliever, the greatest joy of any human being is to know the will of God and to live by the will of God. Until and unless we are in the will of God, the life purpose is not fulfilled and the joy of life is not achieved. Ecclesiastes asks, who can have joy? Who can be happy without him? Who can have the happiness without being in the will of God? And Bible is so profound that we will not understand it, but so simple that he has told us what the will of God is. Doing and living by the will of God is the greatest joy of any human being. Mark Twain, Mark Twain we know, is, he was a funny guy as you know. He, one Sunday he went to a church. He was not a believer, but he usually went to church because it gave him some material for making fun of Christianity. One Sunday he went to a church, sat there for the whole service. At the end of the service, he went to the pastor and said, Pastor, I have a book at home from which you copied your sermon. Word by word, every word of it. So the pastor was taken aback because he had genuinely, faithfully prepared the sermon. So he said, I would like to see that book. And he got the book during the week. You know what that book was? What? Dictionary. <laughs> but Mark Twain made some good statements. He, he said, when I was a teenager, my old fellow did not know anything. But now, since I'm grown up, I'm so amazed this old man has learned so much in short time. But Bible, what Mark Twain said about Bible, he said, I am not disturbed by the things that I do not understand about the Bible. What bothers me most are the things that I do understand. We sometimes are bogged down in the things that we do not understand, but we forget to apply the things that 
are so simple, straightforward, given in the word of God. And so that's what we are going to say. Five wills of God that God has already clearly told us, explained us, given us in his word. Jesus lived for that purpose. The purpose of Jesus' life was, Jesus said to them, I have so many verses, and as you can see that, you don't need to open your Bible because uh, just listen. I, and and I, uh, I'm not opening two. I printed it out here so I can quickly, quickly read because when I open the Bible, I open page by page and it takes five minutes to re- lo- locate that. <laughs> so it's easier for me here. Jesus' purpose of life was that he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Remember the disciples came and he was talking to the Samaritan woman and said, where did you get the food? He said, well, my food is to do the will of God. That was, that was the purpose that Jesus, Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own initiative as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Again he said, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of men, will of him who sent me. And then, Father, remove the cup, but not my will, your will be done. And finally, on the cross, his, God's will in his life was fulfilled when he said, it is finished. It is finished. He finished the will of God. He knew the will of God. And he did not do his own will, but he submitted and obeyed the will of Father. Father and Son are co-equal, but in the incarnation, he made Philippians 2 so low like a slave. Doulos is the word used there. And he totally, completely obeyed to do the will of God and gave the example uh, to us that this is the way to be happy and joyful and blessed in life is by doing the will of God. What is the will of God? If I know, I would do it. Right? If I know, I would do it. Well, good question. I'll tell you, God says. In the New Testament, there are five places where the words are used, this is the will of God, and then it's spelled out. Or sometimes it is said, the will of God is, and then it's spelled out. And so we are going to see those five places. And these are the five pillars of life that we can follow to be blessed and happy in life on this earth. And if you notice, I put those in question mark. I'm going to ask you what the answer is. Okay, this is a class, okay? A teacher can ask a question. By the way, when the teacher asks the question, he better know himself. A teacher will not ask a question that he does not know. But in in, in other church, I... I would give out the questions on Monday morning, Monday morning, and I would have blank, and I would just say I don't have the answer. But of course, this does not stick. Uh, 
first i'll i'll read the verse and then i'll ask you a question the verses that you have in front of you okay john 434 uh, no john 640 number 1 for this is the will of my father see remember i told you the words are spelled out this is the will of my father or the, the this is the will of my father the will of god is and so on this is the will of my father that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life and i myself will raise him up on the last day or i'll read a couple of more verses god desires that all men and this is for every not just us here sitting here going to church regularly but every human being for every god created man in his image and man cannot have joy happiness fulfillment purpose of life without fulfilling this first will god desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth and second peter 3:9 the lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness but to, to is patient toward you not wishing for anyone to perish but to come to repent what is the first and most primary will of god that he every human being would accept Jesus Christ John in his gospel at the end the last verses of John's gospel he says that Jesus did so many things if everything is written there would not be enough room for all those books i heard that about lincoln that enough books are written about abraham lincoln if they are stacked on top of one another it would reach about a mile think about books written about jesus <laughs> all the commentaries and all the devotional books and everything that mentions about jesus no place no museum no how big it is can contain those 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 books jesus is the one that changed everything and nothing in anybody's life would change without coming into the relationship with that person with jesus i am remember we have we are hearing so many lies so that we have become insensitive to the basic truth that there is only one savior and jesus himself said he was not a lunatic he was not a liar he he told everything that he told everything he told the truth and if he said that everyone has to accept that and even going to church all your life it is possible to miss that because we have heard that lie so often that all religions are same or i can save myself by good works and so on and so we can familiarity brings contempt if not contempt at least insensitivity right and so church can make you so familiar that you can miss the truth 
even the church can make you, even the religion, the church can make you so fam uh, familiar so you can miss the truth. First and foremost will of God is that every human being does not perish but have eternal life. Remember John 3.16, God loved so much, the love the world, the word world John uses in a very special sense. World means a sinful humanity who is destined for damnation, has no way for salvation, no way to save itself from, from the eternal damnation. This world God loved so much because there was no other way so he gave his only begotten son because that was the only way for anyone who believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life. Wish there is no one here, no one here that needs that message. Wish there is no one here that needs that message. Everyone here. Because revelation, as, as Mark Twain pointed out, Revelation brings responsibility. If you are here and if you are not accepted, you are far, 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 far more responsible than the heathen who has not heard the message. Revelation brings responsibility. If you know the truth, Jesus said, now you know the truth. Now you walk by it. Now you do it. That's the first and foremost will of God. Okay, second one. For this is the first Thessalonians four three. For this is the will of God. What? Your sanctification. First Peter one fourteen fifteen. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance. Now he's talking to those who have fulfilled the first part, first will of God. Now he's not talking to every human being. Now he's talking to a special group of people, people sitting here, us, as obedient children. Remember, not every, every human being is child of God, by the way. Of course, every human being a child of God in some sense because he created everyone. But remember John 1, 11, 12, 13? Those who believe, he came to his own, his own did not receive him, but some did receive him. And to them, not to everyone, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Ephesians, Paul talks about the adopted sons and daughters of God. And so Peter says that now as being obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in your behavior. Justification, the first will is justification, and this is the now sanctification. And that's what we have been hearing in the first service messages uh, during these weeks. That's the point, sanctification. Justification is just the beginning. Now it begins a long road that never ends, 
until we go to be with the Lord. Deuteronomy 10, 12. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and love him and serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So what is the will of God? What is the will of God? Sanctification. Sanctification. I, we already know. The will of God is sanctification for us. Adam was created holy. But he was given free choice. Because he was created in the image of God. And part of being in the image of God, we have free will. Without free will, love is no love. You can't force anybody to love. And God wanted us freely love him. And so he gave the free will. And that free will can be used either way. So Adam was created holy, but he was able to sin. And he did. And this morning we heard all human beings are created, uh, not created, born sinful. Adam was able to sin. Until we come to Christ, we are not able not to sin because we are slaves to sin. Until we come to Christ, we are not able not to sin. When we come to Christ, we are still able to sin, but we are able now not to sin. There would be time when we go to be with the Lord, we will not be able to sin. Adam was able to sin. Unbelievers are not able not to sin. Believers are able not to sin. And there will be time when we would be sanctified fully and we would not be able to sin. Remember, that is the process of life. John writes in 1 John chapter 3, he says, Beloved, we do not know what we will be, what kind of people we will be. But this we know, that when we see him, <laughs> what a beautiful truth it is. This we know, when we see him, we will be like him. And those who have this hope in them, they sanctify themselves with all righteousness. We are looking forward to the Lord, and we will be like him as he is. And we begin that now. As we walk daily, we are walking closer and closer and closer to the Lord. I may have given you this story about, about Enoch. In the Old Testament, chapter 5 of Genesis. Chapter 5 of Genesis is uh, obituary. At least eight times it is said that he lived so many years and he died. He lived so many years and he died. But about Enoch, <laughs> how many years he lived? 365 years and he walked with the, with the Lord. He walked with the Lord and he was no more because God took him away. 365 years, every day of life, he walked with the Lord. Imagine, imagine this. Like 
like God did with Adam and, and, and Eve before they fell in sin, God must be coming every evening and taking. He walked with the Lord. So God would come every evening and take Enoch. Son, let's go for a walk. Every evening, imagine. And one evening God comes and takes Enoch. Son, let's go for a walk. And they both walk, 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 walk. And it's getting too late. The sun is set, getting dark. And Enoch says, Father, it's too late. Let's go back home. And God says, well, you are close to my home. Why don't you just come to my home? And he was no more because God took him away. I think that's the beautiful picture of Christian life. The, the journey starts at the moment we believe in Jesus and never ends until we walk away in the house of the Lord. Remember David ends his Psalm 23? All the days of my life, the mercy and joy will be with grace with, be with me, and I will be in the house of the Lord forever. So what he's saying is that all my life I will walk in the way of the Lord and I'm looking forward to be in the house of the Lord forever. Beautiful, beautiful picture. There is no joy, there is no peace in the life of a believer when he walks in sin. God has given us the power. Paul says, work out your salvation as he himself works in you. It's not by my power, but it's by power. We would study Romans 8, I'm sure. Chuck would take us after chapter 7. Romans 8 is, Romans 7 is the flesh. And Romans 8 is the spirit. You cannot live by flesh, the life pleasing to the Lord, only by the spirit of God. We have to yield to the spirit. Justification is a moment experience, but sanctification is lifetime of process. And we continue to walk daily closer and closer and closer. Our life would be filled with joy. Remember we had a whole lesson about joy. You would go out with joy and let forth in peace. So much so that the mountain and hills burst out in joy before you and the trees of the field clap their hands. And how do you do that? Just like the rain that comes down from heaven and produces the fruit for the farmer and seed for the sower, so my word that goes out from my, from my mouth will not go void but accomplish the purpose for which I sent and the purpose is joy and so that's what that's how you do that the sanctification process comes by our time with the Lord in the law uh, in the world and living it out and God has made it explicitly clear this is my will for you, and you will never be happy until you fulfill that. This is my will for you. 
Uh, as some of you know, we, Violet and I, are involved in trans- uh, writing Bible commentaries, and we have done 19 books of the Bible and so on, uh, and currently working on the book of John, and just finished chapter 4, uh, uh, and, and I'm in chapter 5. Uh, I'm in chapter 5. Uh, chapter 3, Jesus, uh, chapter 3 gives three musts. Uh, it's a small Greek word, D-E-I, day, used three times in chapter 3. And you, you can look it up, those verses. Chapter uh, uh, 3, oh, jo- Jesus is talking with Nicodemus. And, and verse 7, he says, do not be surprised. Uh, the, the first thing, in chapter 4, uh, verse 14, uh, he said that, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That thing happened 2,000 years ago, as we know. And the second must, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, verse 7, do not be surprised that you must be born again. And the third must, verse 31 Verse 30, John the Baptist is talking. He says, he must increase and I decrease. What he's saying is that Jesus died 2,000 years ago. That was must and it has happened. Now the second must has to happen. You must be born again. And if that second must has happened, then let him increase and I decrease, I will live for your glory. I will live for your glory. He has died for me, so I will live for him. That's the motto of every believer. He has died for me, so I will live for him. Three must. He must be crucified. There was no other way, and he did. Second must, you must be born again. And if those two things have happened, the third must, he must, be in, he must increase, I decrease. Live for his glory in every aspect of our life. Third will, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is God's will? Gratefulness. Attitude of gratitude. Why did he not say, be joyful? Of course, there are commands. First Thessalonians says, be joyful and rejoice and be praised. Or be forgiving, although there are commands, but the, in the will. This is the most basic attitude of any human being that encompasses everything else. Gratefulness. Think about that. If you are complaining always negatively, you are not grateful and you cannot be happy. If you are always greedy and grabbing and want to get more, you are not grateful, you can't be happy. 
See, grateful, uh, grateful encompasses every aspect of our human life. Remember Romans 1, when, when, when God, Paul is talking about the heathen, that, that God has made himself so explicit so that they had no excuse, but in futile mind, their minds became darkened instead of worshiping the Creator, they were not grateful and invented many da, many gods. Men, instead of being thankful to the Creator God, they invented many gods. Sign of spiritual maturity. Colossians 2.7 says, Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratefulness. Gratefulness, are you, are you a person that is a kind of a half cup, full cup type or half full cup type? Are you kind of a person that looks everything negatively or looking everything positively? Remember that we, the, the joy that we talked about, you will go out with joy. When, when you enter a room, does the room shine up with your f smile or oh, he's here? Kind of thing. When, when you are walking on the trail and you, you come across a person, what is, what is your response? Joyfulness. Why are we joyful? Because the greatest need of our life is already met. What is the greatest need of our life? The first one. If that first one, that need is met, then there is, there is that overflowing overflowing joy and gratefulness to God. If the, the, remember that song says, if the realm of whole nature mind there would be present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, overflows with gratefulness, demands my soul, my life, my all. See, gratefulness is the mark of a believer that overflows in every aspect. Gratefulness is what makes us to forgive and forget. Because remember that story of about somebody was uh, forgiven thousands, millions of dollars and was not grateful enough to forgive $200. Gratefulness is what we, we overlook the shortcomings of other people and, and fulfill uh, and be kind, be gentle to others. See, out of gratefulness, all of, gratefulness is what keeps us from sinning because he has died for me. I am so grateful that I will live for him. Hezekiah, when he was secured and given 15 years of life, he raises a question. He says, he has done great thing for me. How shall I respond? And he answers his own question. All the days of my life, I will walk slowly. What he's saying is that I will walk so carefully so that my feet are not strain, stained in the filth of this world. Gratefulness is what makes us 
desire to please God. Gratefulness is what 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 what, what helps us to live in good relationship. See, one of the things that does not actually matter when you do that, but matters so much when you don't do that. And that's the thank you. When you say thank you somebody, he said de nada, it's nothing. But you, when you don't say thank you, it's everything. See, that's exactly what it is with the, in relationship with God too. When you don't say thank you, that matters so much to him. His heart desires that we are thankful and, and, and as a live response of being thankful is to live life pleasing to him. Time's running away. Um, the fourth, uh, 2 Peter 3, uh, 2, 13, 15, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. And here are the words, for such is the will of God. By doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. What is the will of God? Obey the rulers. This is the will of God. Obey the rulers. We live in a society and we complain about all the unrulingness. Is that an English word? Unrulingness goes around. But should we be part of that? Should we? This is tax season. We are living a week from this Thursday for three months, and so I have to finish all the taxes and everything before that. Uh, are we cheating on taxes? For a few dollars, few hundred dollars, just lying here and there? If, are we keeping all the traffic rules? <laughs> are we Responsible, taking my responsibility to pray for the rulers, to vote. Instead of complaining, we we have given so many opportunities to do things that God. This is our ethical responsibility to keep the rules of the society. One exception, only one exception, when a rule is against the word of God. Remember the apostles told the, the Pharisees or the Sanhedrin, you decide who should we obey, you or God? Of course, God. So if the rule of the nation is against like serving the homosexuals and providing them cakes or things like that. If the rule of the nation are against the word of God, then we disobey at no matter what a cost. We are the people of conviction and our convictions are based on the word of God and we know the truth and we live by that and we obey 
the government and Paul talks about that in Romans 13 and so many places okay that for, uh, fifth one the last one uh, for it is better if God should will it so this one is not really clearly given as a command but it is given with if for it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. Not every believer is destined to suffer persecution. Think about that. We are sitting here. I have not suffered any persecution. We were living in a small mountain town in India and doing a Bible translation project and we were well respected. And we, we did not feel, face many oppositions. It was hard work, difficult task, but we did not face any opposition. People living in the cities in India do not face persecution. People living in the small villages, a single family in the whole village is Christian, and they would suffer persecution. Most of us here, I suppose, have not although if we're in a workplace, things like that. But if it is the will of God, we have to be prepared. And the time is coming, as we can see the signs of it, it will get more and more and more. God will, by his mercy, take us away before the great tribulation begins. But that does not mean that we will not go through that kind of situation now. It's getting more and more. What he is saying is that live holy life no matter what the cost. Live holy life. We are people have moral convictions and we live by that. And if we have to suffer for that, we would suffer, but we will not leave our convictions. L-E-A-V, leave our convictions. Not every believer go through persecution, but if it is will of God, be prepared for it. So these are the five most basic, you can say, pillars of life. Five pillars of life. Doing the will of God. What is the first one? Come into the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then sanctification. Then attitude of gratitude. Obey the civil rules. And finally, live out moral life no matter what the cost. Plato, some 2400 years ago, said there are three basic will of every human being. Think about this. Three basic will of every human being. Beauty, health, and wealth. Beauty, health, and wealth. Those are three basic human will of human being that goes totally against what the will of God is. The three basic will of you, God is Jesus Christ, you must be born again. Live it up, out, be grateful and live life that is pleasing to him. We have eight grandchildren 
two of our sons live up in northeast uh, um, one is in new hampshire and one is in boston we don't get to see the uh, they they both have two children each uh, 17 one son has 17 year old daughter and 13 year old daughter the other has 17 year old daughter and 13 year old son we have third son lives here we see him often we will be seeing them this afternoon for lunch but the other two four grandchildren we don't see them we were with them for thanksgiving this year after the thanksgiving dinner as we were talking um, at the table i said i want to say something and so i told our grandchildren and violet gave her word too that we don't get to see you very often we don't have much input in your life and this is the opportunity that i want to share with you and i i i gave them five rules of life and i asked one my granddaughter 17 year old to devise a card and if she makes up probably i can give it to you five rules if you four if you live by this four rule you would be happy one is 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 spiritual which is come into the relationship with the lord if you have not a second is moral do always right no matter what the cost do always right no matter what the cost third is social always choose right friends do not let anybody impact you for bad and always impact somebody for good that's social and finally i also told them physical do not ever abuse your body with drugs or anything and don't let anybody abuse i didn't talk about sex clearly premarital sex clearly but i hinted do not let anyone abuse your body either spiritual moral social and physical these are the f- basic ways principles that anybody can live by and god has made explicitly clear mark twain he said i'm not bothered by the things that i don't understand what bothers me most is things that i do understand we have no excuse that i don't know i have a bachelor's degree in the in the law and in the first class when the seasoned lawyer was teaching he said why are you here why do you want to know the law and he says that this is the reason ignorance of the law is no excuse you can't excuse the policeman that i didn't know the speed limit ignorance of the law is no excuse and there is no excuse for the ignorance of the word of god god has made himself explicitly clear we have no excuse of not knowing it we will never fully understand we will never fully understand if we did god would not be god or i would be god we would never fully understand but simple things just this morning we heard this verse first baptist church message moses tells these realize the secret things belong to the lord of a god 
but the things revealed to us so that we would obey this word of God. Secret things belong to the Lord of our God, but the things revealed belong to us so that the purpose is we would keep the word of God. Also, Moses said, Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you to go beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will across the sea, go across the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey. This is right near you in your heart. God has made explicitly clear what the will of God is. And there is no joy greater than living by the will of God. There is no greater joy than living by the will of God. The question still remains, how do I know the will of God for everyday decisions of my life? And we will see that next Sunday. Father, thank you so much that you have not left us in dark. You have made yourself explicitly clear through your word, and if we have accepted your Son as our Savior through your Spirit that lives in us, what you want from us, how, do you li- how do, would you like us to live in our life? And with, your, with the help of your Spirit, we can do that. Because it's the simple thing. You have not asked us to do things that we cannot do. Simple things in our life. Father, we are prone to wander and prone to run away from you. What a grace that you keep running after us. You will not let us go. It's not we, Father, holding your hand, but you are holding our hands and guiding us step by step, step by step, as we walk closer and closer to you, and looking forward to that day. Like Paul, we can say, I've kept the faith, I've run the race, and I have finished the course, and there is that crown of righteousness that he'll give it to us, life of no regret. That's your goal for each one of us. And thank you for your word that guides us into that. Help us to live life for Jesus who died for us so we will live for him. In his name we pray. Amen.